Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sophie Scott. And I'm James Gill. Our mission is to make wellness accessible to everyone. We'll be chatting with our favourite people. Sharing uplifting news stories. And delivering tips and tricks. To bring balance to your lives. Hello, welcome to the Balance Podcast. Our guests today are Auntie and Niece, Prue and Peter Leith. <coughs> I mean, I couldn't have timed that cough any worse, could I? Speaking of that cough, uh, this episode was recorded before... The, uh, the the global coronavirus pandemic, because we, we all sound very jolly and cheery and happy, and you can't not be jolly, cheery and happy when you're around Prue Leith, one of those people, absolutely beacon of, absolutely life-affirming beacon of positivity, and I would suspect that's why she looks and seems the way she does at the age of 80. So she, she shares some of her tips for eternal youth. I'm not going to spoil it. She tells us how much sleep she gets. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, it's put a real spring in my step. Uh, they have a new book out. What I like about this book is the is the honesty, because uh, yes, of course, the, there is fortunately a rise in uh, vegetarianism and veganism. But Prue isn't saying that she's given up meat, and I can relate to that. My wife has gone veggie this year. I'm oversharing. Uh, but, yeah, I know it's not a very cool thing to say, but I'm not even, even going to say it. <laughs> uh, so the new book is out now. It's called The Vegetarian Kitchen. Uh, it is it is wonderful. So my Prue is very close to my, my wife's side of the family. Not literally. What I mean is they're all like, they're all super fans they all did her course, my wife, my sister-in-law, my mother-in-law. And so for Prue and Peter to sign the book for my mother-in-law afterwards, oof, honestly, that would be the equivalent of uh, of like John Barnes signing a book for me. That <laughs> um, So th- this is, as I say, this is such a warm and lovely episode. And if you're listening, thinking these three sound pretty cheerful, then that's why uh, we did this a few weeks ago. But uh, the book is out now. It's a wonderful book. Uh, we ran the book in the most recent issue of uh, of Balance magazine. So it goes without saying that everyone at Balance um, wishes you good health. Um, and I I hope you enjoy this episode because uh, two really lovely people in, uh, in Prue and Peter. I mean, yes, it is jolly and cheery, although... It, there is some fairly surprising subject matter because we end up talking about 
the food industry and Prue and Peter sort of lift the lid. Um, that like it, pot lid, pan lid, pun wasn't intended there. I, I apologise to myself. They sort of lift the lid on what life is really like in kitchens, and it sounds well. I, it, there's one bit where I'm actually quite shocked by something Prue says, um, and it does it does sound like an industry that you know in, the, in a world where more and more companies are doing what they can to improve well-being in the workplace just based on what they're saying it it sounds like there's still a way to go perhaps at, at certain places so as diplomatically as possible uh, but anyway here they are the, the wonderful prue and peter leith is this uh, one of those little headphones yeah, Do you want to, yeah i'll show you oh yeah oh, is it the uh, yeah. airpod thing yeah so these are the huawei ones do you own a pair yeah, they're, they're, they're nice though, aren't they? They're, they're very nice. Yes, the, How do you say I'd be Apple worried pair. that they'd fall out not being attached to anything? It's one of the world's greatest worries. All I ever worry about is that they're going to fall out yeah. not attached to anything. I'm convinced <laughs> they're always... Yeah. I don't know, I still think they're going to fall out. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say technology's changed a lot recently. Mm. I wasn't going to ask this until much later on. From your point of view, the way food has changed, I mean, it must blow your mind. What would you mm. say, the past 10 years? Or is it is it less than that? You know, it's just... It's taken over everything, hasn't it? Oh, well, it's, uh, you mean the interest in it? Yeah. yeah. No, the interest in it's been amazing um, and the change, some of it good, some of it bad. Sure. But the food is no is not immune. I mean, it's just like everything else. If you think of the machines that chefs now have to cook with that, and the computers that run the ovens and so on, mm. it's just like any, you know, it gets better. What I'm anxious about is when they start being um, technically messing up the ingredients, you know, and making food that isn't real food. I rather like that um, expression someone said about um, never eat anything that your grandmother wouldn't recognise as food. Oh, yes. <laughs> and because there's so much rubbish that goes into us, yeah. you know. And that includes, I think, um, ridiculous diet potions sure. and supplements yeah. you don't need and expensive purges and, and protein powders yeah. and, and all that stuff. But it also includes things that might save the world, like, um, you know, um, insects, uh, oh, eating insects, yeah. you know, or um, powder made of... I've been baking with cricket powder, which is just cricket flour, and it's fine. I mean, it makes perfectly good muffin. Wow. <laughs> and it's full of protein. Sure. That's on the rise, isn't it, the eating insects? Mm -hmm. There's even a restaurant somewhere which is just... Is there really? So, yes, I think it's in Wales or somewhere very un unlikely. I mean, environmentally speaking, it's kind of it's really the good. way forward, isn't it? It is the way forward because it, you know, these insects they they breed like rabbits and they grow like topsy. So, <laughs> so in two weeks you can have a sort of silo full of um, protein. Sure. <coughs> inexpensive. It doesn't take much water or much um, energy. And it feeds people who, you know, it will feed the world in the end. I think in the end we've got to stop being prejudiced about in insects. I wonder how long it'll take, though, for people to stop being squeamish <laughs> about eating I bugs. Know, and I can pontificate on it, but if you gave me a plate, plate, <laughs> plate of mealworms to eat right now. Yeah, well, it's different. If, it's, if it's ground into a flour and it's presented as a yeah, muffin, then that's then one would, thing. But I wouldn't it's... mind. But I have eaten, um, I once said when I was a child, I was brought up in South Africa. Yes. And... Um, we had a, a maid, I think she was. Anyhow, she worked somehow, somewhere because we were quite, you know, in South Africa, sort of white society was like that. 
and we had um, this wonderful woman, and she um, said to me, because she knew I was greedy, one day I saw her eating, fluttering, um, flying, flying ants as they came out of the trees, out of the bark, in a cloud. They're just all, they're hatching and they fly out. And she was catching them and putting them straight in her mouth. And so she said, would you want one? So, of course, I said, yes. <laughs> and she put it in my mouth. And I spat it out straight away because I couldn't bear the way it fluttered in my mouth. Mm. And she said, that's the point. That's, 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 that's why we enjoy it. So it's just all cultural, yeah. isn't sure. it? And actually there's that worm as well that they... I'm Mopani sure, worms. Mopani worms that you put on your tongue and you just let it crawl down. Oh. No, I don't know about that. I don't know if you have. Oh, I mean, the thing is, I think most of us will accept... I was just coming back from Cambodia and there was um, a whole um, street market of funny things to eat, yeah. as we would think, but perfectly normal for mm. everybody. It wasn't in the middle of Phnom Penh or anyone where grand. Yeah. But, and people were buying all these different insects, sort of things that look, you know, spiders and and sort of crickets and things that look like bugs and, and a lot of grasshoppers. And, you know, they were just being sold. But deep fried, they were delicious. And I think anything deep fried right. is yeah. crispy. I mean, if yeah. you think of a prawn, prawn under the microscope looks just like a... A louse. It's a sea insect, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> really? Exactly, yeah. just an insect. But we love them, so it's all it's all in our heads. It's all in our heads. You're right. You're absolutely right, though, because a prawn is. When I first had a prawn, I couldn't believe my luck. But when you actually see what one looks like, I mean, sweet Jesus! Yeah, <laughs> put it under put it under the microscope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, with you, Peter, did, how did you get? You know, given your lineage, how did you embrace vegetarianism for, pretty much from the off? Then, well. I've never eaten meat or fish, mm. knowingly. Um, so my mum turned vegetarian when she... I'm one of four, mm. and she turned vegetarian when she was pregnant with her second. So uh, my eldest brother sort of slipped under the wire and he eats meat and the rest of us were born vegetarian. <laughs> sure. um, so, so for me, um, that's obviously just the norm. And, uh, you know, I don't... So, so I'm, I think that's why it's quite interesting the dynamic of us working together on this book because for me I can't empathise with feeling as though something's missing from mm. a vegetarian meal whereas Prue being a carnivore who enjoys vegetarian food she obviously can so we kind of both I think it's quite an interesting dynamic that, that we both is, and I think one of the things it. that did for me I've always loved vegetarian food and eaten a lot of it you know how very often um if people have a party and they make a dish for the vegetarians, the carnivores, carnivores come and gobble it up and then the poor vegetarians end up with nothing. You know, because, yeah. So I've always liked vegetarian food, but what, until I was working with Peter and, I must say, eating some of Peter's dishes, I hadn't realised how, how satisfying and um, hearty and sort of... Um, main course-ish, if I can put it yeah. like that, um, vegetarian absolutely. food can be. I mean, absolutely wonderful. Well, that's always a, something that I keep in mind because my husband, when we first got together, and this was 10 years ago, he said, because uh, he had always eaten meat before, and obviously I was sort of introducing him to more vegetarian food, and he said that he'd always felt with vegetarian food as though there was something missing. You know, he was sort of, where which bit is the main event? Sure. You know, like it was just a collection of side dishes. So that's... So I always sort of have that in mind whenever I'm constructing a vegetarian meal for people who do eat meat, is to sort of try and think, think, approach it from that perspective. You know, but I mean, this 
Do you remember this one? This is yeah. all black bean, chili, and corn salsa, and it's actually mm. vegan. Yeah. And it. What page are we on here? Uh, we are ninety-four. Ninety-four. I'm I'm loving reading the book at the same time as you guys. <sighs> Um, and that is such a hearty meal and such a warming one, mm. and it's totally satisfying. I mean, it's I, what I sort of don't approve of, but I can understand why people do it, is um, vegetarians trying to make m- food like meat. Trying to trying emulate to, meat. Almost trying to please it. the meat eaters. Yes. I don't mind them trying to please the meat eaters because the more meat eaters meat eat veg, it's better for the world and all the rest of it. But to, to to deliberately make something taste like, yes, like a burger, bacon, or, a, or ham, yes, or, yeah, ham or thing, yeah. you know, it seems sort of why not be proud of veg yeah. because veg is so delicious, and if you get exactly. it right. But I think people are sometimes uh, sort of intimidated by food that they don't recognise, and so if you put vegetarian food into a recognisable format, like a slice of ham or an escalope yeah. or you know something like that, then. Yeah. People. Well, I remember when your father first met Penny. <coughs> he was a restaurateur at the time, my brother. Mm-hmm. And he got very excited about how good veg food could taste. And he tried to make a, a, a burger, a veggie burger, that he was going to make his fortune with. Yeah. And I think it was mostly made with chickpeas. And it was very delicious. Yeah. But it was a burger. But, you know, I, I'm sort of, I think... We should concentrate on the things that that really work. Well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting about the burger thing because we, I recently tried one of those, not a Beyond Impossible burger, but burger. one of those ones sure. like that that was trying to sort of yeah. emulate. And for me, because my husband was really interested to see what I thought of it, you know, um, never having tried meat. And I didn't, I mean, it didn't turn my stomach, but it didn't bring anything to the yeah. party. It, you know, I thought I'd much rather have something that, like a spicy bean burger where there's, Flavors, or, or something, you know, flavor. there was no flavor in it for me. It was just sort of pink and a slightly odd texture for me. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's. Um, I'd much rather have something that just it tastes good and it happens to be vegetarian anyway, yeah. rather yeah. than trying to. Have you tasted the vegan bacon? No, I have. Yes, actually, it did taste quite good. It didn't taste. Maybe I got a bad batch. Did you? Yeah. I've been punished. <laughs> really? It's, yeah, it tasted like hot hot cardboard. Oh. That was the first we did it. My wife, as I say, my wife had gone full. She actually went vegan in January, and that was oh, the only goodness. letdown we had all, all, yeah. all month. Well, the, the the meal you're referring to there is on page ninety four: black bean chili with corn and lime salsa. Now, is there is there another one that you would like to pick out to any of our listeners who? Uh, uh, the you mean the one that would appeal to people who? Yeah, do I guess eat so. Meat. Yeah, sure. Why not? But one for me, um, actually, the one that. Um, when I've been testing, so obviously whilst we were working on this book, I've been testing Absolutely. recipes on friends and family and using them as guinea pigs. And the one that really um, seemed to kind of go down well with people who eat meat is the paneer curry. Oh, yeah. um, and I think the te- something about the texture of the paneer, um, let me find that. It's actually on the previous page, so that's on page 92. Um, something about the texture of the paneer, I think, kind of appeals. And I'll tell you what I think is so wonderful about that is the actual curry is, is quite a standard curry. You know, you start off with the onions and then you put yeah, in yeah. the spices. Yeah. But if you use really fresh spices and then you do everything it says, um, the curry flavour is very light because it has a bit of lemon juice in the end and it's... it's and it's got cream to kind of cut yes, through the Yes, heat. it's very, very... Um, sort of fresh tasting 
but the and it has a squeeze of lemon juice at the end, which is wonderful. But the paneer for me, it's the lightness it brings because even chicken is a quite a solid lump of protein. Yeah. But because paneer is often quite spongy and holy, and lovely texture. Yeah. I I demonstrated that all over South Africa because I okay. just came back from South Africa. And I was doing demonstrations and I always did this because we would give little bowls to the audience afterwards uh-huh. and it has fresh spinach and fresh peas put in at the end. Yeah. So they stay green. Yeah. They couldn't believe it. People were really? saying how wonderful it was. Oh good. And that's really you know, it's so <laughs> it is so, so easy to do. Yes, it is. No, and actually that's a really good point you made about using fresh spices because I think so many people have spice cupboards that, or spice racks that have been there for years, you know. We just and threw after, ours out because we'd not searched it for so long. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> oh, and I think yeah. If, yeah. if you don't use it within sort of six months-ish, yeah. then it's just dust. Absolutely. You know, it doesn't bring any flavour to the... To I mean, the only way I you reckon you can keep spices if you keep them in whole, you know. Whole and then grind them I've just bought, sure. yeah. I've just bought a coffee grinder because I just thought I'm really tired of every five or six months throwing away half a... Um, thing of paprika or yeah. coriander or something just because I want it fresh yeah. but if I get the things whole well it couldn't do it yeah. with paprika but you could do it with mm, coriander and cardamom yeah, and cloves they should just sell them in smaller pots because nobody domestically speaking yeah. nobody needs a huge the, the size That's that they come although I have to say smaller, <laughs> smaller size pots yes I mean yeah. if I can go full QVC the, the timing on this book it couldn't be more perfect could it really I mean, you must be. You must. You must feel like you've got uh, dynamite on your hands here. I like hope to think so. so. <laughs> yeah. Have that on the. Have that on the cover if you like. Yeah. But yeah. I really mean it. You know, more and more people. You know, I, I mean, even in in recent, it's not just recent years. It's recent weeks and months where people are really trying to make the change. I mean, you must yeah. be. You must be ex- excited in that regard. I know. Well, even my yeah. uh, my brother, who um, been, uh, Peter's father, who has been. A hearty barbecue expert, and you know, I think of Jamie as slow roast lamb, and and meat. meat is what mm. he's about. And he has just gone vegetarian at the moment that your mother stepped up to vegan. Well, that was because they watched a documentary on Netflix called I think Knives Over Forks or something. Oh, right. Which was about um, veganism and how uh, beneficial it is for your diet. Uh, sorry, for your health. Um, and my father's got arthritis, and he thought, oh, well, maybe this would. You know, maybe it's worth a shot to see if it helps the arthritis. So they both actually vowed to go vegan when they watched that. And Dad did vegan for a couple of weeks and then went, actually, I never said that. I said I'm going vegetarian. (laughs) (laughs) And he's adamant that he never said he was going vegan, although I definitely remember it. So, But Mum, by that point, said, well, I've already made the step. So One of the things, you're right about there being a sort of um, current at the moment, a real tide of people mm. wanting to do the right thing for the planet and their health and their pockets because obviously vegetable, vegetables are quarter the price of meat. Yeah. But I, I also think, oh, what was I going to say? I was going to say something really interesting. <laughs> It'll come back. <laughs> um, I've never been more eager to know what it was going to no, be. No, no, I know well, here we go. I know what it was going to be. Um, so, uh, because of the sort of tide of ve- vegetarian and veganism, I have been accused of, of just jumping on the bandwagon. You know, you've written lots mm. of cookbooks before, and suddenly you're a vegetarian. I said, first of all, I'm not a vegetarian, mm. and except I wouldn't really mind being one, but I like meat a lot, so yeah. I'm not a vegetarian. But really, it's irritating because I actually wrote a vegetarian book um, 25 years ago, and I wanted to call it the Vegetarian Kitchen or the veg- Vegetarian Cookbook. 
And my publisher said, if you put vegetarian in the title, you won't sell a single copy. Wow. So forget it. And and also I had, a, because of Peter's mother's influence, when I had my restaurant, which had a Michelin star, was very good restaurant, we always had a separate vegetarian menu as well as the main sure. menu. And that was because Penny said she didn't like opening a menu and reading vegetarian options in among the sucking pig and the liver and the, oh. all the things that turned her stomach. Um, oh, that's interesting. She wanted to... And so I thought, well, that, a lot of vegetarians must feel like that. Mm. So we had a separate menu. So yes. you were actually ahead of the curve. Yeah. It's so, a... yeah. So it's... We've, well, I've been around a long time and I've always liked Ben, so... Please may I ask, on behalf of the nation, I say this with, with love in my heart, what is the secret to eternal youth? You, you recently had a landmark birthday. And, I know. Oh I mean, sw- but when I was, I mean, I'm 41, so I'm a, I, when I was a lad, when people were, I won't say the landmark birthday, just in case. No, darling, there's nobody in England who doesn't know I'm 80 years okay, old. Okay, fine. And two days, but 80 when, years old. When people were 80, they were, you know, they were, they looked super old, didn't they? But you, yeah. you look a picture of... I know, health. not a day over 60. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, good. Well, that's good. I think if there is a secret, it's mostly luck because I'm a really good sleeper. You know, if if I had half an hour now and you... Honestly? I would just, just lie down there and go to sleep. Wow. So I can sleep anywhere. I sleep really well every night and I eat very well, unsurprisingly, because that's my job. Mm-hmm. And And I think I have a fairly positive, cheerful disposition. And I think that's not to do with any sort of moral superiority about being, you know, chin up. It's not that at all. It's just that I generally wake up feeling happy. It must be nauseating for my husband who doesn't always wake up feeling happy. I'm the, I'm the, I wake up happy, much to the annoyance of my wife. I can totally relate to what you're saying. <laughs> and I think that's just the serotonin levels in our brain. Do you think it's just how you're born? It's chemicals. It's not... It's not think- I, I suspect it's also for you just that you keep so busy that yeah, you know, have a lovely that keeps life. you young because you're well yeah it's sort of you're circular. constantly running around maybe you know I am very downtime busy. but then I'm busy because I've got energy and I've got energy because yeah. I sleep well yeah, so it's, it's a, a sort of circular just to make us all uh, shake with with rage right how many hours sleep do you get a night eight <gasps> oh okay sure. I thought yeah. you were going to say 12 or something. I was going to burst into tears. Uh, eight. No, no, okay, eight. Can no, I, no I, I like to have eight. eight. If I get eight hours sleep every night. But if I only get six, then I sort of have a little siesta if I can. <laughs> Go to bed yeah. you know, a bit earlier. I but I sleep on planes, which is what really irritates my husband. You can sleep uh, on planes? Yeah. I can yeah. sleep on planes with a crying baby next door. <laughs> and he, well, he doesn't get a single <laughs> wink. Oh, uh, yes. My wife will actually physically wake me if I'm sleeping too well. Can you imagine that? <laughs> that's Brutal. A bit unkind. Um, one question I, I'd love to ask as well is uh, seasonality. I mean, that's that's a mm-hmm. very important thing as well, isn't it? With with vegetables. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's not just a case of uh, being better for the environment to eat seasonally. It also it just tastes better. I mean, strawberries in December do not taste good. of anything. Exactly. You know, so it's not entirely altruistic <laughs> the buying seasonal veg you know it is actually I've never thought of that I'm so glad you've said that because I was I was asking that expecting pure altruism but you're yeah. absolutely right no it's, it's of course it's not going to taste no, the same yeah, I mean tastes much better yeah they taste just yeah. not full of water and, and also it's very well designed because you think of winter when you root vegetables are abundant and you can get um, you can get um, 
you can store butternut squash all winter. Mm. So you can get squash and you can get carrots and you can get all these little wintry veg. veg. Yeah. And that's what you feel like because you want something substantial and delicious. Yeah. And in the summer, what you feel like is salady, light sure. exactly. things and peas. And, and also it's amazing how well designed um, the seasons are in terms of produce that goes well together yeah. you know like the blackberries and the apples they come Absolutely. at the same time and you know I nearly, said, and I nearly said lamb and mint oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. spring lamb and mint <laughs> no I <laughs> I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Yes, yeah. yes, blackberries and apples go beautifully. But this is, I mean, I said to you before we started recording, this is this is perfect for my wife and I, because as I say, she's gone full veg. And in, in the space of a few weeks, I, I do genuinely... Listeners, I promise I'm not being paid by Brew and Peter to say this. <laughs> I genuinely eat more more vegetables, and that's, that's that is why I think uh, this is such. Uh, I mean, where, where was the where did the idea actually come from then? Um, it was just I think um, discussing. So we wanted to write we wanted a family to, book, yeah, a book with book. you know all the kind of recipes that we that we both enjoy eating and feed to our families. Uh, and we kind of went away and made a list of all the recipes each, you know, that we would each like to include. And it turned out that most of her, well, all of mine were vegetarian, and most of hers were anyway. Yeah. Uh, so we had such a sort of measly number of meat and fish dishes that we thought, well, actually, let's just do away with them altogether. Well, we thought people would think this very odd that they have this book absolutely stuffed with veg- vegetarian, vegetarian stuff things. with sort of eight, yeah, <laughs> things that meet with meat. Yeah. So we just took them out. Shoved in a few more veg things. Mm. May I please ask when you so you used to go to Prue's house a lot as a child? Yeah. Can you please share with us a couple of times on this podcast, ghosts have, have cropped up and, mm-hmm. and I wasn't expecting it. Uh-huh. So having, having read. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. About uh, your uh, childhood, please can you share with us what what happened there? Then, <laughs> so I've never seen a ghost at Prue's house. Sure, but my I'm the youngest of three brothers, so I mean I have three older brothers, and. So I get wound up an awful lot by them. And, and so <laughs> yeah. they would fill my head with, well, them and Prue's um, son and daughter um, would fill my head, being the youngest, with stories about, uh, there was the green room, which was, because all her, which I've always loved, all her um, spare rooms were colour coded, you know, so we would always stay in the green room. And there was stories about how 
somebody had bricked his wife up in the wall of that room. Uh, and there was, in another bedroom, you could supposedly see a woman falling past the window because she'd committed suicide jumping oh off the top of the house. That was uh, true. Which was true, There yeah. was a woman, I'm, no, somebody did, one unfortunate woman after both her sons and her husband were killed in the First World War, she jumped off the roof. So that is true. So yeah. there could be a ghost there. But I was I was always stuck with this um, quandary because we would alternate Christmases. So, you know, one year Prue and her family would come to us and we'd... Uh, yeah, that's versa, so nice. Which is really lovely, yeah. yeah. But the Christmases at Prue's house, I would always have this thing where I was too afraid to go to sleep because of the body in the wall um, <laughs> right next to where I was sleeping. What age were you? Oh, six, six, seven. Oh, my God. Um, but at the same time, I was so terrified that Father Christmas wouldn't come if I wasn't asleep. Oh, so I'd be like, oh thinking, torture. I have to go to sleep. Oh, How can I possibly gosh. go to sleep? The so, fear. I the had fear, no exactly. idea about this. I didn't even know about the, the whoever it is in the <laughs> and then And, and then the true. other one wasn't so much a ghost as a monster. But um, so upstairs... Um, there's a there's an extra set of stairs um, once you go onto the first floor of Prue's house, and her late husband had a office at the top. And obviously, in an effort to prevent us young children going up and annoying him when he was either working or napping <laughs> up there after lunch, uh, we were told that there was a monster at the top of the stairs. And there was. And call my husband. <laughs> 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 so, so we, I would skirt around. I wouldn't even put, go near the bottom step because I was so afraid of this monster. And years later, I went, I went up there, and uh, and there was a blue doorstop, a sort of draft excluder yeah. that was a very handmade blue, <laughs> um, yeah. sort of um, felt, felt thing, thing sure. with a little monster face mm. stuck on the front in felt. And I thought, oh my God, is this the monster that I've been so scared of all these years? <laughs> oh. um, and actually, my brother jack um was once house sitting for you um and we must have, we were teenagers at the time i mean if he was house sitting yeah. actually i had my license so i must have been 17 at least yeah. uh so he would have been about 20 and he was house sitting and he'd said to me you know i'm at Prue's for the weekend come and come and hang out come and have a party oh, yeah, great. i'll come and i'll yeah, come and sure. hang out and i actually even at the age of 17 i have to admit i chickened out staying over i went over and hung out and i went it's getting late now. I think I might actually just drive back to Mum and Dad. <laughs> Those stories have stayed with you. And, and left him there on his own, yeah. <laughs> so, so, he's braver pe- than I am. Have people actually seen the ghosts? <laughs> I don't think there are any ghosts. <coughs> um, but then I don't believe in them anyway. Uh, my daughter believes in ghosts, but she's never seen one. No. I, I've never seen one. I mean, I don't, I'd like to believe that they don't exist. <laughs> it's, it's, the thing is, when you're that age... I mean, I still fall for anything now. But once somebody gets something in, into your head, I mean, it's mm. your greatest enemy is yourself, yeah. isn't it? Because uh-huh. you start, yeah. you know. Absolutely, yeah. Um, now, please may I ask, what do you, uh, when you're not banging out soon-to-be-best-selling books, <laughs> what do you, uh, again, I promise I'm not being paid by Prue and Peter to say this, uh, what, what do you do for balance? What do you do to uh, maintain normality? I mean, it, might, it could be hobbies, it, it could be anything. Oh, um, well... Having a toddler and a new baby takes up pretty much 100% of my time at the moment. Um, yeah, there's not not much room outside of uh, of that. So I do a bit of consulting, uh, sort of menu consultation for um, for a hotel group, which is which I do with a couple of my ex colleagues from the Ivy. Um, so I do that sort of part time, um, but actually at the moment I'm sort of on maternity leave. Really, I mean not because I'm here, but I'm. Uh, but yeah, you know, my son's only five months old, so 
I'm, I've been off. You, was it seven years at the Ivy? Yes, I think it was. How? Please, can you share? Because obviously, you, you know, you hear about the place. It's almost, you know, it's almost like legendary status. What was that like? Was that was that like really? Was that doing the hard yards? I take it. That was the hard yards. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was. Uh, I, I always say I wasn't actually cut out for working in the kitchen at all. I absolutely. I, I remember getting when I first got the got the job there, and I was going in as sort of the lowest of the low in the pastry section. Um, and I. And when I told everyone that I got a job at the Ivy, everyone was so impressed. Oh, my God, that's amazing. And after my first shift, I came home crying to my, well, boyfriend at the time, now husband, saying, I can't, I can't go back tomorrow. <laughs> it's too awful. <laughs> I can't do it. Uh, but it was only my pride that kept me there because I thought everyone was so impressed that I'd got the job there. I can't now turn around and say, I've left after <laughs> before one I bit. finished one week. So I was thought, that because they were horrible to you or bullying no, you? Anymore? No, it was just very much sink or swim. You know, there was so much to do and you just had to kind of multitask and get on with it. And if you've burnt yourself, you just have to carry on. <laughs> you know, there's just, there's so, it's so busy, uh, you know, and oh, so you hard, need to know exactly what you're it's doing. Otherwise stress, you're in the way, yeah. you know. And so, so there was a lot of stress and I used to, um, yeah, I used to go home crying <laughs> most, most days. But I remember uh, thinking to myself, right, I just, I'll make it to three months. If I can just say I've done three months there, then I can, that's a respectable amount of time. I can just walk away and say, well, actually, it wasn't for me, but I gave it a good go. And somehow three months turned into seven years. Um, so And you stopped crying. I, and I, thought, I, I did stop crying after every shift, yes. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. To, to keep it going for seven years is, yeah. that's a real Well, I started to enjoy it. I started to enjoy it. Um, I think, yeah, the more sort of confident I got in, in knowing what I was doing there and... Um, you know, yeah. as I sort of moved up the up the ranks, it sort of got easier. Um, it's so hard though, isn't it? Because as you say, you've everyone knows you've got this job at the Ivy, yeah. And a part of you just wants to leave, and yeah. you can't just just saving face, I guess, isn't it? No, exactly. And I think the, the thing about working in a restaurant like that is that, uh, well, probably any restaurant actually is, you know, if you work in a sort of uh, this is a real generalisation, but sort of a, a kind of regular nine to five job in an office, you can go home in the evening and. No matter what sort of catastrophes are going on in the office, everyone's stopped until yes. the next day. Whereas uh, in a restaurant, you know, as a, as a pastry sous chef, so you know, I was responsible for the ordering and and all that kind of stuff. So if I'd have my two days off, if I was off over the weekend, I'd still be concerned if they run out of chocolate whilst I'm not there. That's my fault, you know. Or if somebody's sick, I'm going to need to come in. So you, you can never sort of entirely switch off yeah. because. It's always going on. You're thinking, oh, did I leave them enough enough baked Alaskas, or did I make enough but of this? Or come, I mean, that you know, comes, the kind of that comes with responsibility. Yes, it? I mean, yeah. I think if you own your own business, you, oh yeah, you absolutely. Lie. When I my <coughs> catering company, I used to sort of wake up in the middle of the night thinking, did we did we order the teaspoons or yeah, or, have I got the right number of you know, is the tent going to run exactly. on time? I think it's just that as a team, you rely on each other so much in the kitchen that, you know, if you've messed up, if you've dropped the ball on a bit of it, then you know that your colleagues are going to be really suffering and not able to do service. Does that industry need, does need, does more need to be done in terms of wellness? Because I know burnout is a problem, isn't it, with a lot of people? It is. Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the staff turnover is huge, yeah. I think. And I uh, I don't know if that's... It, it, um, just the Ivy, I suspect it's you know no, it's industry, in general in the industry. industry. But I mean, I can't I think even begin to remember the names of everybody that went through because it was almost revolving my door. team whilst yeah. I was there. You know, so it was just constantly training new staff, and then they'd be out within uh, you know a couple of months. So I think it is. There's not much nurturing that goes on. I think it's very much yeah. kind of 
I mean, it's great in many ways. Um, I don't I'm sounding very negative about it. It is great in many ways, but it is a sort of sink or swim. My, my wife and a lot of her friends work in fashion. Mm. And uh, <coughs> when they started out, a lot of them were told, well, if you, if you don't want to do it, there's problems. Yeah. Yeah. That but, it, but that's not true in the, she- in the uh, chefing. There are not enough cooks. We don't teach cooking anymore at school after the age of 15 anyway. So nobody thinks to be a cook and there are less, you know, there's all sorts of problems. But I think the fundamental problem, and this is going to be a very unpopular thing to say, is that we don't pay enough for food. You know, we um, restaurants, if they're, if they're very successful and they're big enough, they can make a fortune. But most more restaurants go bankrupt than anything else. So it's usually the margins are very, very tight. And it means that that staff are doing double shifts every day. They're doing lunch and dinner, which usually means that they're working about at least 12 hours, maybe 11 hours. And even if they get a break in the middle... You know, you, you, you work in the middle of Soho and you get a break. What can you do with your break except go and spend money and sit in a cafe? Or, and and sit in a cafe you know, exactly. Or, or a pub. A quick cigarette. Or a pub. You see that a lot, don't you, outside restaurants? Absolutely, Exactly. Yeah. And then you're back again. And until we pay people, uh, pay enough for our meal so that um, bosses can have single shifts yeah. and have, you said, there's very little nurturing because there's no time. Exactly. That's Everybody's short-staffed. There's no time for training. Cut your finger, so forget it's... it, just keep working. Here's exactly. a blue plaster, put it on. Exactly, and there's no time for training people. So people come in, you know, wide-eyed and fresh out of culinary school or even just fresh out of yeah. school, yeah. you know, to, yeah. to learn on the job. But there is, because everyone's under so much pressure and we're always short-staffed, you just sort of get thrown in and you have to to kind of to fall in and, and get on with it. There's no time to say, right, everyone, come on. It's, it's so sad because it can be such a satisfying job. And there's a lot of people who love the idea of working with food and everything. Um, and, of course, there are some... Um, one good thing that's changing and quite fast is the way um, chefs behave to their underlings. You know, when I first started, it was perfectly normal to be shouted at or to be quite often physically abused, you know. Mm. I remember one chef telling me that he had his hand put on the hot grill because he'd burned something. He'd burned something, so the chef burnt his hand. That's what burning's about, he said. You know, you're actually crippling. And people have offered you. You talk to anybody who's of my generation, they will have been locked in the... In, in the, the walk-in, in the, in the walk-in yeah. freezer, mm-hmm. they'd been put. I mean, I remember um, a guy complaining to me that he was put in the stock pot at the Savoy Hotel, oh, yes. and and they pretended to turn the stock pot on, yeah. <laughs> but of course they didn't. But I mean, being in a stock pot is pretty horrible anyway. It's greasy and oh yeah, and it's very un- unhygienic for the stock. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and so on. I mean, the, the the sort of initiation ceremonies and. Um, mm. And bullying of young was just horrific. But I think chefs have realised that actually young people have the power to walk and, yeah. and it's difficult to get good staff. So, mm. and, and the most important lesson is that you can't learn if you're frightened. Your brain shuts down. Absolutely, sure. Yeah. If you make somebody so frightened they can't hear you, never mind absorb the information. Yeah. Anyway. yeah see, I, mean, I remember my trial shift uh, at the Ivy, I was given a crate of pears to peel for pear tatin 
and I was peeling away and I suddenly was like, oh, this pear's pink. And I hadn't even noticed that I'd peeled, I'd cut my finger with the peeler because I was so nervous. I hadn't noticed that I'd done that. Suddenly, like, oh my God, I'm peeling all over the pears. What? No one's noticed. What should I do? And just quietly put that one in the bin. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I think when you're. When you're nervous. Yeah, when you're nervous, you're, you're just, it's just horrible. I always say to people, you know, the, <laughs> if you can stand the first three days, um, it's amazing how better the fourth day is. Sure. Mm. And of course, obviously, the fourth month is a lot better than the first yeah. month. Yeah. But, but it's, so it's because they're trying to keep the prices as low as possible to try and get the bums on the seats. Yeah. But it, it's almost impossible to make a profit because you, you'd have to be full all day, every day to even make yeah. that work. Yeah. Well, there's a sort of, you know, if you can you can make money with low prices if you have lots and lots of um, space and bums on seats. Sure, that generally comes with very high rents, which makes it difficult. Yeah, or you can make money on the smallish restaurant, you know, fifty seats or something, if it's unbelievably expensive. And, and therefore unbelievably good. And therefore, in which case you're paying for yeah, chefs that can yeah, do something that's unbelievably so good. So it, it is just really, really difficult. Mm. I mean, I think the real, um, but then there are too many of them, and that makes it difficult too. Is the sort of middle of the road, um, you know, really good food but comfortable, informal sort of step up from the gastro pub or something mm, like yeah. that, big enough. To make money on fifty on on fifty percent full or something that would be perfect. Yeah. Uh, question to both of you. I've already told you. My, my wife, my mother-in-law, my sister-in-law, all did your course. You've inspired so many. I'm nearly singing a song here. You've, insp- <laughs> <laughs> you've inspired so many people across so many across so many years, and and now you know still inspiring people. Can you just say a bit? How how does that make you feel? Absolutely amazingly proud. I mean, the Leith School of Food and Wine has now been going for 43 years. It's incredible. 43 years. And a couple of years ago, it won best um, school in Europe. So that's not bad on your 40th year. It's yeah. amazing. Especially when you think that every... After 40 years to win, I mean, you know, that's... But every fancy mm. chef now has wonderful um, school, you know, mm. where they teach really posh ladies nice food. Um, but Leith just cracks out good um, students and I think one of the proudest things for me is that I have never ever met anybody who went to that school who didn't enjoy it even the ones we failed sure they would say still got something out of it yeah they'd say well I learnt a lot and I loved it oh that's a real it's really nice and I've got a chef's academy in South Africa and they it's very very well thought of I'm glad to say and when I go to a restaurant anywhere in Johannesburg, Cape Town or something, almost always the manager or the chef will say, come into the kitchen. And written all over their jackets is my, is that they're wearing their school jackets uh-huh. because they're so proud of them. Oh, my oh. gosh. It says Frulee Chef's Academy. Oh, that's really nice. On the back. Do you ever get sentimental? Yeah, a little bit. I've just come back from South Africa and they made me an 80th birthday cake. Looks like you've had a couple of them from Instagram. I have had more cake in the last week than you would believe. Um, and But I did feel quite sentimental because we had an alumni evening where, you know, two of the ex-students have got Michelin stars. One of them's got the most amazing hotel. They, it's just yeah. wonderful to think that. And there they were thinking that I'm some kind of, um, you know, I don't know... 
guru or something. Mm. And actually, I didn't teach them. I didn't. I mean, my name is on that college, and I've helped a lot with the, the um, way it's run and the curriculum and all this of it. But I've hardly done a day's teaching in it. You know, I live in London. But anyway. But the legacy looms large, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But they, and they are. They're wonderful. Mm. I usually go out and, you know, well, I talk to them a lot and occasionally yeah. do a demonstration. And now, Peter, you know, same same to you. You know, you'll be... You'll be inspiring a lot of people with this book. I mean, that must be uh, that's a that's a beautiful thing as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's um, it's... see, Peter is a really good teacher. Um, she had to train a lot of the new Ivy. Yes, and, I noticed and with the staff turnover, there's a lot of training. Sure. <laughs> and we were doing this morning. We were making those um, sausage rolls, sausage rolls um, on on this morning, and I just noticed the way you showed people the viewer how to do it it was so clear you obviously yeah. i do enjoy teacher, the, the teaching teacher. element yeah um and obviously it's a really exciting thought that that book you know will hopefully be inspiring a lot of people um but yeah i just feel very lucky to have had the opportunity to to work on it really now given that this morning appearance has that whetted the appetite for more peter projects i sound like your agent <laughs> saying that but you, you know what i mean um you know it, it would be my absolute dream to write more cookery books um the, this morning appearance, I'm just so glad that it's done and I didn't make a complete fool of myself. <laughs> I was, that was my scary bit of today that I just needed to get out of the way <laughs> before, um, before I could relax. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, what, I mean, I love cooking and I love food and, uh, you know, chefing, I think, is not very family friendly. Um, and so that's not something I particularly, yeah. sort of, chefing in restaurants is not something that I had ever sort of intended to do really long term um but obviously i want to use the experience and the still skills that i've i've got um so i always sort of saw myself going into either teaching um or writing writing cookery books um as a sort of next step afterwards and um now with young children i don't want to be doing the evenings and the weekend shifts in a restaurant so Absolutely. you know if i could be doing more cookery books that would be amazing because I can do it from home and work I'm it around sure she will. family. I'm absolutely sure she will. Um, yeah. Now, one last thing before, if I want to dazzle my wife with with uh, some recipes from this, but this is a very selfish question for myself. We talked about seasonality. What what are, what are the most in season veg for late Feb going into March? Please? You know, this is called the hungry hungry gap. When you've eaten all the yes. stored veg and the new veg hasn't yes, come yes. on. It. Well, you've got the nice rhubarb at the moment. Um, just on the sweet things that spring to mind, um, you've got a rhubarb, brown butter and rhubarb cake Thank you. Um, in there, which is good now. Um, also, there's an upside down a blood orange and polenta cake, I think, in the summer. The thing. blood oranges are wonderful. Um, and the blood oranges are really great at the moment, so that's... This is a bit... I simply don't have. Um, <laughs> um, and then, if you wait a little bit, then yeah. the first asparagus will be coming in, and the, there's an asparagus galette in there, which is really easy to put together and really makes the most of the. Um, and a lot asparagus. of the sort of stewy things that that um, depend on chickpeas or beans and stuff are lovely still because it's still mm. cold and miserable. It still feels like yeah. winter, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you. I can't thank you both enough. This, uh, you know, this. I'm holding it up in the air like it's uh, Excalibur. Um, this, you know, this, the, as I say, the timing for this book is just so perfect. So, huge congratulations! This, this will be uh, a huge Thank hit. Thank you so much. And then, on behalf of all our listeners, uh, many happy returns and, more importantly, <laughs> congratulations to cracking the code to eternal youth. Yes. <laughs> Sleep. <laughs>
<laughs> hey, I was I, when you say that, it feels attainable. So th- thank you for giving me hope. <laughs> Thanks very much, guys. Thank you. Bless you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. That was great. Thank was you so fun. much. That was really good fun. Huge thanks once again to Prue and Peter uh, and to all the people who made it happen. They were, uh, you know, as you can tell, really lovely people. Uh, as I said uh, up top, everyone at Barons, it, you know, it obviously goes out saying uh, we, we hope that you are as okay as is possible. I do know that the Barons website, we are putting up more stories uh, in the wake of the, the current climate in terms of uh, advice, insight, uh, maybe things that will hopefully prove useful to you uh, given what is going on uh, our website is balance.media uh, if you've enjoyed this episode we are on the socials at balance ldn and i am james gill comedy and our rosamond pike cover interview is up and online now along with a separate piece uh, with rosamond talking about the wheel of time uh, a huge Amazon show that comes out next year. I know a lot. Thank you to all the Wheel of Time fans who shared that. My goodness. Um, so yeah, it promises to be absolutely epic. Anyway, thank you as always. Uh, I wish you good health. I've been James Gill. Good night and God bless. Thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.